Hey everyone, Happy New Year, and welcome back to the podcast. Today on the podcast, we're speaking with Lisa Roars. I met Lisa a while back and was very interested in her story. Lisa was totally normal and thought she was healthy until one day when she woke up and couldn't move. I think what struck me the most about Lisa was how suddenly her autoimmune condition came on and then what she did to find answers about it. I asked Lisa to come on the podcast so we could learn how she changed her food because doing that is how she saved herself. Before she developed her health problems, she ate a standard American diet. Finding herself with sudden immobility and pain, however, and no answers from doctors, she knew she had to heal herself. I think you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Lisa and will be in awe about her resiliency just as I am. It's cold and snowy where I am today, so grab something warm to drink and let's get started. This is Harvesting the Truth. This podcast will bring you the stories of our food. We'll learn more about how our food is made and what it is made of, along with how it affects our health. My name is Michelle Adams. I'm a lawyer who was a medical litigator for over 20 years And then I became a food entrepreneur when I turned a passion for baking into a business. But most importantly, I'm a mother, and I decided to begin this journey of learning what's in my food for my family. I'm glad to have you on this journey with me. Lisa, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see you again, Michelle. So am I, I'm happy to see you and I'm happy that we can dive into your story because I think that you have a lot to teach our listeners today. Well, thank you. Yes. Where I'd like to start is you went through a very long journey to achieve some wellness. And I'd like to start by asking you, what was the issue before you began the journey? Yeah, well, I've heard somewhere in a song that starting at the very beginning is a very good place to start. So let's do that. (laughs) So, you know, you are, all of us are healthy until we're not. And I thought I was healthy until I knew I wasn't. And that kind of showed up for me quite literally in one day. Now it doesn't always show up that abruptly for other people, but for a lot of people, I think it does. All of a sudden you realize Uh uh-oh, I am not well. And Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning and realized I am not well. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was just, I thought that I had just slept wrong because I had this horrible kink in my neck and shoulder area. Mm -hmm. And so there began the journey. I started trying different places to sleep and figuring, you know, where could I go to maybe get a better night's rest? I just was not sleeping. And And for those, uh, you know, and for those listening, once you stop sleeping, that just adds more problems to the mix. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't, um, I just wasn't well. I was the pain that I had in my neck and shoulders just proceeded to kind of settle itself into my, my back, my mid back area. And then Mm -hmm. it went further down into my hip area and then down into my knees to the point where I really couldn't walk even around the house. Oh my goodness. That had to be had very my, frightening. It was very frightening. Yes. Thank you. I, I couldn't put my fingers on it. I, I started, mm-hmm. I just started diving into research. My, I had been a caregiver for my mom who had MS um, for almost 50 years. 
And so I knew it wasn't MS because I knew a lot about that disease, Mm -hmm. but I'd heard some of my friends talk about things like fibromyalgia or some other things that are really pain ridden. So I just thought I'm going to dive into this. And I started researching to learn, you know, pain in my neck. What does that mean? You know, and then all the different things and trying to just slowly identify what this might be. Alongside that, of course, I, I did go to my doctor. I set up an appointment to try to get some blood work or find out if there was anything because the pain just kept on ramping up. So it was obvious to me it wasn't just a, a bad night's rest. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious that there was something else going on. And I knew my family had a history of something autoimmune because MS is kind of an autoimmune. So I knew that that was probably a good suspicious character there that the autoimmune mm-hmm. might be something. So I just started researching. I went to doctor after doctor. This wasn't about, so it kind of surfaced in February. Right around June, I had seen a bunch of doctors. I finally decided to go down to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, which is like a really nationally renowned institute for diagnosing issues. I got on the on the schedule for six months out was the first time they could get me in. Yeah, But um, they got me on their schedule and I got 18 appointments set up over three days. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> Talk about exhausting. And it was, I had to stay overnight because it was like the first appointment was like 730 in the morning. So it was a very exhausting kind of thing. And I, I remember, you know, all of the doctor appointments that I had been on and all of this trying to answer the question. And then I got that appointment at the Mayo Clinic and I thought, okay, I kind of internally just went at peace because like, oh, they'll figure it out. All I have to do now is just kind of coast, just kind of coast till December. <laughs> it was the three, I kid you not, the three coldest days that Minnesota has had <laughs> on record. It was negative 40 degrees. Oh my gosh. Temperature. <laughs> and you know what? It was such a godsend because- I set, I set up a hotel like months before uh-huh. and the hotel that I stayed at just happened to have heated parking. And wow. if it hadn't, my car would not have made it to the appointment. So that was a blessing. But anyway, the, the thing about it was I, I waited all that time. I got to those appointments and I was so hungry. I was so hungry, Michelle, for answers. Mm-hmm. I went to all of the appointments waited for them to get answers. My emotion and my stress and my probably my cortisol levels were so high because I was so anxious to get an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after three days and 18 appointments, I got zero answers. Oh. I mean, and it, trust me, that was a very expensive, no answer visit. Yeah. Um, with you, by the time you calculate all the tests, all of the, everything else and the hotel and everything else, that was a whole yeah. lot of money for a whole lot of nothing. And your time, you know, yes, all of your time right. that it took. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I went to about two or three other doctors after that, including functional medicine doctors who put me on a whole litany of supplements and different things and nothing, CBD, I mean, you name it. I feel like I've tried it. And I stumbled upon in my research, one advertisement for this thing. And there's so many scammy things out there. You never know which things actually have validity or not. So you dive into it, do your research, look at all the reviews. And I decided for whatever reason to take a chance on this one. And it was a proteolytic enzyme combination supplement. And I started that, I took it. And lo and behold, after about a week, I was walking again. 
Uh, I couldn't believe it. Now, in the midst of this, I was also doing a lot of other things. So I had also looked at the toxins around my house, the things I was putting on my body, around my body, in my body, especially my food, and was trying to really clean things up there mm-hmm. and got to um, got rid of all the seed oils and the vegetable oils and really tried to eliminate the sugars in all the different forms that they come in because there's so many different forms of sugar, corn syrup and all the different kinds. And in addition to that, putting, starting to hypernourish my system. So I would do juice. I did a juice fast. Actually, I did three 60 day juice fasts to bring me to kind of just clean out my system and give my system all the nourishment it needed. But I also did this hypernourishing protocol um, where I would blend. <laughs> so juicing, you take out all the non-soluble fiber blending, you just throw it all in like a Vitamix and you mix it all up and you eat the fiber and the soluble insoluble fiber. So I would eat, drink rather two pounds of greens a day oh, my gosh. along, I know, right? <laughs> along with enough fruit, frozen fruit and a little bit of lemon juice to make it palatable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I drank for six months with oh. nothing else. I didn't eat anything else, but this green goo, my friend called it. But you know what? A combination of that and some of the basic supplements that I wasn't getting, the nutrients that I wasn't getting, plus those proteolytic enzymes, and I started being able to walk again, and the inflammation started coming down. And you know, it's that continuum where every day we're either moving a little bit toward healing and health, or we're moving a little bit toward kind of not to be overly dramatic, but death and disease. And I was little by little kind of digging myself out of that hole that I had dug from years of eating really poorly. And low, my, I mean, I can, I'm sitting here today and I could stand up and do some jumping, jumping jacks behind me. I don't have any restrictions in my movement, which is just a huge, huge victory. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I, that's an incredible story. So I want to go back just so we can understand yeah. a little bit more about it, but so you went to Mayo to try to find answers and you had 18 appointments. Was this with 18 different specialists at Mayo? Yes. So all different so, kinds of doctors and all different kinds of specialties. Yep. So they took me to dermatology. They took me to infectious diseases. They took me to all, you know, um, all the different areas, internal medicine, all the different ones that you would go to. Plus, gosh, I think they pulled 33 vials of blood that day to oh test. Oh my gosh. And- every different angle they could possibly test. I mean, I definitely give them kudos for being thorough. Mm -hmm. Um, But with all that said, sometimes even the best doctors can't give us the insights that we can give ourselves from knowing our bodies, our own Mm -hmm. bodies really well. So I think when you pair the two of those together, really good medicine doctors, Western medicine trained doctors, when you pair that with knowing your own self and being a good a health advocate for your own self and your own body and your own history. I think that's the winning combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And also having gone through that experience myself where you do all the tests and they come back and they're like, oh, great, you're normal. And you're <laughs> like, but wait, I'm not, I can't walk. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't make you feel good to know that all the tests were negative because you know, you're not the same that you were, you know? And so you're not reassured by a normal type of test. Yeah. 
You know what, though? I, I really did look at it in a very positive way because you know, my doctor would joke and he'd say, well, we've done all the tests and there's definitely something wrong with you because my inflammation markers were off the charts, but we have no idea what it is, which yeah, wasn't very reassuring. But the positive side was it that because I was at this place, I had every test run and now I've got baseline for everything, which I wouldn't mm-hmm. have had reason to run a lot of those tests. So actually yeah. I consider it a blessing in the, in hindsight, because now <laughs> I do know what I was at least in that point in time for anything that might happen in the future. Yeah. So essentially you come away from Mayo and when you went, when you went to Mayo, what was your status with walking? Like what could, could you walk? Yeah, I would say, oh, I'd had a friend of mine uh, where I used to work, um, the, the, where you parked and where people worked, there was just like a, a line of windows. And my friend approached me when I came into work one day and she goes, I watched you get out of that car. You're not doing well. Are you? It was really obvious. I would, anytime I would sit for more than just a couple minutes, the inflammation would surge in my knees and my hips. Mm-hmm. And then, so I would drive to work. I would get out I'd swing my legs over out of the driver's seat. And I'd have to stand there for about a good 30 seconds, a minute, maybe even longer before I could kind of move. And then I would just kind of hobble <laughs> into the office. And that was my best. That was that was my best when I was at my worst was maybe I could hobble along. But um, when I was here at the house, I just used a walker because it was just easier to roll around that way. Mm-hmm. And and before that day where you woke up out of bed and you thought you just had a kink in your neck, were you walking fine? Oh. Everything was normal. You were feeling yeah. good. Totally. So this is like something that just came on really yeah. suddenly. Yes. Yes. Wow. Although I will say that it didn't come on suddenly. I just experienced the symptoms suddenly because truly from all the research and from knowing myself the way that I do now, six years into this journey, because this kind of hit me around 2017, this was slowly creeping up, but like the straw that breaks the camel's back, there's always a breaking point where all of a sudden your body's like enough, I can't do Mm -hmm. anymore. And that's what, that was my, my body saying that to me on that February morning. Yeah. So I gather that what you learned from your experience at Mayo was that you had a lot of inflammation in your body. They didn't know why, but you had this inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had some guesses. Um, They thought it might be some sort of vasculitis, which vasculitis has various, um, I think there's four different types of vasculitis that one could contract. So they thought it was maybe one of those. So of course, what did I do? I dive into Google and look to find out what that means. And the first thing it says is, you know, chance of survival, like 10%, something like that. Really good news, right? No. So I, um, I wasn't excited about that, but you know, they said, well, we think it's the kind that doesn't attack your initial, your internal organs. So you're probably better than some, well, that's nice to know that you think that, but I don't know if I want to live with that. If that's I don't think that's good enough for me. So yeah, do- dove into it, really understood um, what that was, started understanding what the immune system is, started diving in what creates our immune system, started learning more about how that sources from our stomach and our gut biome and all the different things that happen there. So, I mean, it's just like this beautiful onion. Once you peel back, <laughs> pair, 
peel back one layer, you find another interesting layer. And yeah. it's, it's, we're blessed to have access to so much information these days. We really are because I, you know, I come from a time, you know, when I was growing up where we didn't have the access to this information, you know, when mm -hmm. I was young and you wanted to learn something, you had to go to the library and look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica because that was the only right. way to discover information. You didn't have <laughs> anything like Google or mm -hmm. the stories of even regular people. Nowadays, we can learn so much by sharing stories. Yeah. Um, back then we didn't have this because we had radio or TV or the people around you that you knew, you didn't have access to people from other parts of the country or right. other countries. So true. Yep. And it's, you know, because the Encyclopedia Britannica is fantastic, but it's only good as of its copyright date. Yeah. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is you can't customize it. Like today you could customize, I could customize my, my sex, my age, my um, other histories. And I can really find out information of people just like me, my age, other women who are having issues and try mm -hmm. to compare what they're experiencing with what I'm experiencing. And it's, it's a really great way to at least get some peace of mind when mm -hmm. typical questions or that you pose to your doctor aren't giving you answers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So when you walked away from Mayo, you knew that you had this inflammation, you didn't have a clear diagnosis and you didn't have any information on what to do. Correct. So you had to, you had to figure it out. Yeah. Well, it and was I left... either live with it or figure it out. Right. Yeah, exactly. And live with it was not an option. Mm -hmm. I was too young. I had too much life I wanted to live and I'm just too stubborn and pigheaded to have just put up with it. So yeah, yeah, it was time to figure it out, make some changes. So how did you decide to start by changing your food? Well, I wish I kept track of records for how many websites I looked at, mm -hmm. but there was an obvious pattern over and over again. I could see over and over again that people were healing from autoimmune diseases and they were healing from cancer and they were healing from multiple sclerosis and doing it all without chemicals. They were doing it all by changing their diet and really nourishing their body to give their body all the tools it needed to heal. So it was just like, okay, this, there's just too much evidence in my little researching experiment here to ignore it. So I thought, well, mm -hmm. what do you do? The best way to learn about your body is to try it. I don't mm -hmm. know. Let's try it. I had tried so many other things. I thought, well, this let's try this. There's no side effects to eating broccoli and celery. There's no side effects that are going to affect mm -hmm. me negatively by having an apple, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like an injection of a, a drug that could have that whole, you know, five paragraphs of things that might kill you. Um, so I thought, well, this is really low risk, high reward. Let's try it. And I found a, um, this hyper nourishing program where I had done this for six months. I, and I, and I did a lot of preparation. So I want you and your listeners to really understand. I didn't just dive into this as on my own, you know, I kind of started finding this research kind of the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't forget which year it was, but it was in the fall and I decided, okay, I'm going to do this starting January one. I'm going to do this hyper nourishing program. So between like October and January, I found 
five or six of my dear friends who I really knew and trusted. I asked them to be on my uh, accountability buddies or my, you know, my support group. And uh, I set up a, a group text and gave them the background and they were there to be my cheerleaders, my encouragers, check in me, check on, check in on me to make sure that I wasn't spiraling into a depression or anything sad like that. I knew I couldn't do this alone. And to make, I mean, I always, I grew up meat and potatoes. I was, you know, vegetables were optional and they were usually canned and tasted horrible. (laughs) How I grew up, you know, it's like, we just never had, we never had the the money to buy great, fresh, high nutrient foods. So Mm -hmm. my go-to things were mac and cheese and pizza and anything carby and salty, sign me up. You know, that Mm -hmm. was my thing and sugar. I loved sugar and I ate I had emotional things, all kinds of abuses and things that went on where I, I ran to sugar and, mm-hmm. and it was a good friend yeah, in the moment, mm-hmm. but it left some damage, of course. So anyway, I had this beautiful group of friends who were my accountability team. And so when January hit, I started this protocol and I did it for close to six months, um, every day making this green sludge and people that I worked with, you know, this was the zoom time where we were only doing zoom calls and I would be there with my big Yeti cup with, but it was, you know, full of green goo and they would laugh at me. And you know, what I realized is first of all, willpower is a muscle. Mm -hmm. Willpower is a muscle. What you think you can't do today. The first time you succeed with doing that thing you thought you couldn't do means the next time you try it, you will absolutely be successful. So all you need to do is break through once, not, you know, doing something that you didn't thought you could do and you're going to have victory. So I had a day, I did the nourishing one day, who made it. I thought, okay, I, I could do this. I think I can do this. And, you know, you'd sit at dinner and the family'd be eating pizza and I'd be drinking the green goo. But, you know, there are a couple of things that I had going for me. I had a very clear written on a piece of paper, a list of why I was doing this. Mm-hmm. Anytime I said, started second guessing myself or wondering, is it worth it? I would go back to that list. Yes, it is worth it to walk. Yes. I want to be around for my son. Yes. I want to be around for maybe my grandkids someday. Yes. I want to be able to live a life that's abundant and, you know, has a lot of vitality and no, I don't want to be a victim. Just huge list of things that I wanted to do. So I kept that front and center. I kept, um, I kept reminding myself when my friends and my family were eating pizza or whatever it was, they were in front of me, like 10 minutes. I would tell myself, Lisa, wait 10 minutes, the food will be gone and the temptation will be over and you will still be on track for your healing. And you'll, you will have done it. You will have built one more in one more success on that willpower that you're trying to build, um, that you can do this. 10 minutes, literally with all of the pomp and circumstance that goes around meals, it takes about 10 minutes to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so really. If, yeah. If you can just, if you can just even, you know, in some meals, like sometimes certain pizza, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be in the room for. So I would just sit in the other room or go upstairs for 10 minutes and then come back down. It was a very small sacrifice for the long-term gain that I knew I was helping my body heal. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that I'll never have pizza again, because I probably will. Mm-hmm. But if for a time for healing, 
again, if you think about that continuum where you're either moving toward death and dying, or you're moving toward health and healing, you have to do so many days of good to get yourself out of the hole. And then, and then you, and then it's kind of up to you. Do you want to keep moving toward health and healing? Or do you want to move again toward that dis-ease and feeling worse in, in your, in your body? Um, it's always that continuum. And so, yeah, I could have a piece of pizza. I can have a couple of days of not so good at eating, but then I got to remember to turn it around and make up those bad days to reignite the healing in my system. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it's an amazing story you have because six months is just when you're eating, you know, like all you were eating is that green goo you said, and <laughs> you did it for six months. And, you know, there are people who, uh, there are a lot of people listening who maybe have went on some sort of diet or cleanse and a couple of days into it, you're, you're dying. You're like, oh God, this is so difficult. You know, I just want my normal food back. And just to go for six months that is so, that's so impressive. I mean, you really have to have a strong, be really motivated and know what you're, what you're fighting for basically. Well, I'll tell you what, the amount of willpower I had to go six months with goo, green mm -hmm. goo, which actually was actually pretty tasty because of mm. the fruit and stuff you put in there, but uh -huh. that'll tell you just how much pain I was in. Yeah. It was just that bad. And I was not going to be on prednisone and, you know, dexamethasone for the rest of my life. I was not going to live my life full of medicines and prescriptions. So I was like, okay, I had really good reason to believe that if I stayed on it long enough, I would heal. Mm -hmm. And that's what my, that was my prize, you know? So um, when you've got really good reasons why, in some respects, I, I hate to say this, but in some respects, I'm really grateful that God allowed this in my system to manifest the way it did because I wasn't going to change my diet otherwise. I mean, mm -hmm. if you don't have any symptoms, pain is a really good motivator. And if you don't have any symptoms, it's really easy to just continue eating or living in a bad lifestyle until a heart attack takes you or until something else hits you or cancer's in your bones and you can't reverse it or mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm glad that it, it forced me to change because there, I've learned so much. And I think I've been able to help a lot of other people as well on this journey who have themselves found new vitality, a new life by making the changes. So mm -hmm. in a roundabout way, you know, I really believe everything happens for a reason and God is using this for good. Yeah. And so did it take six months for you to see changes or, or were you seeing changes before, you know, before the six months? Yeah, I was seeing changes, not, not, not as fast as I wanted to, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. The body is really slow to heal. Um, I made note once um, I had cut my finger in some, I don't forget what I was doing, working in the garage or something. And I cut my finger. And I, I kind of made note as I watched it heal. Cause I thought, okay, if my finger can heal the inside of my body, certainly why wouldn't my, the inside of my body be able to heal just like the outside can. Mm -hmm. Certainly I don't do anything to my finger to make it heal. My body just knows how to do that. So I thought, I'm just going to kind of see how long this thing takes to heal. And it was like a good three weeks or four weeks before I could look at my finger and barely see where that cut was. Mm -hmm. so I thought, okay. 
if that's true on the outside here, why do I expect the inside of my body to heal any faster? So I knew I had to give it at least a month. Mm -hmm. And by the time I'd kind of gotten in a month and I started seeing some changes that were encouraging that that was just motivation to keep going. Yeah. I think that our bodies are very resilient and we can heal, but also our bodies aren't Amazon prime. So, you know, (laughs) you know, we can't expect that healing is going to take place within a two day delivery time zone. You know, we are going to um, have to wait and let it kind of like heal. And that's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, that's a, such a good point. And I think if we all stop and pause for a second, it, if you look back hundreds of years, hundreds of years ago, people were really used to waiting for things, right? Yeah. Right. We would think uh-huh. plant a tree, they would plant the seeds for a tree. They wouldn't go to home Depot and get this tree. That's already four feet tall. They would right. plant a seed for an apple tree, knowing mm-hmm. that it would be their grandkids that would get the apples from that tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got people, I mean, we just took a, a beautiful trip earlier this year to Europe to, to show our son some of the amazing sights and sounds there. And some of that architecture was built over hundreds of years. Yeah. The person building that didn't even get to see it finish, you know, mm-hmm. talk about waiting. And yet, like you said, Amazon prime, we are so <laughs> used today. What I, I ordered it this morning. Why isn't it on my front step by the afternoon, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was trying to tell my daughter about my experience from growing up in relation to like how nowadays they order something on the Amazon and it comes, the, you know, sometimes it comes that same day. Sometimes yes. it comes later that day. Right. Um, I'm like, you know, when I was little, I remember I used to read magazines all the time. And at the back of the magazine, there was this little ad for sea monkeys. I don't know. Do you remember that? Do you remember the sea monkey thing? No, I don't, but I think I know where you're going. (laughs) And you had to like, if you wanted the sea monkeys, I always, I'm like, oh, I want to get the sea monkeys because they made them look like a little family. And I'm like, I want the sea monkeys. And so you'd have to fill the ad out. You'd have to mail it in with your money. And then you'd have to wait and wonder, did they get my money? Did Uh they get did they get my request? And then if, if that all happened, like they did get it, like maybe like a month later, you would get these sea monkeys in the mail, which turned out to be like brine shrimp or something, (laughs) (laughs) but they weren't a sea monkey family, unfortunately. And, um, and that all took a long time. Like it wasn't like Amazon just six weeks. Yeah. There was no six weeks. Yeah. Click by now you get it today, you know, that type of thing, or I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to go to the mall and I'm going to buy what I want. You know, you had to wait to, to get things. It didn't happen immediately. So true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately our, our amazing bodies don't quite respond that quickly. (laughs) So, right. Yep. So you can get the best, probably the best turnaround for what to make you feel really, really good. The fastest is a good night's sleep. So that's mm-hmm. eight hours. <laughs> that's yeah. about the fastest you can, you can turn around your uh, emotional or mental feeling. Yeah. Which were uh, not to get off subject, but most people do not get enough sleep. Well, uh, we can put some resources out there for your readers. Cause uh, Matthew Walker is a great resource for learning about sleep. And once you understand, once you come aware 
Uh, we were talking about this in another conversation you and I had that once you become aware of these things, you cannot not see them. Yeah. So Matthew Walker will teach you all the reasons that you should sleep, especially for your teenagers. So that's a mm -hmm. really great tip, but also the food. And once you become aware of which foods are nourishing you and which foods are not, mm -hmm. it, it's a whole game changer. It's a complete game changer for health and life. You stop feeling like a victim. You stop feeling fog, foggy minded because all of a sudden you're realizing, oh, there's something I can actually do about this to make mm -hmm. it better. Maybe it won't be perfect. Maybe you won't heal overnight, but you can, you are empowered to make a difference in your life if you choose to. Yeah. I mean, you can take control of your own health. It's your body. Mm -hmm. You can take control and do, you know, you don't have to be a doctor, right? You don't, you get to do, you know, you do your own research, put in your body, what you want to put in test things, you know, see what works, what doesn't. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's your body. And I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. We also, I think get really comfortable with, oh, I feel fine. I don't feel like I'm sick. I feel just fine. But I think we get so used to feeling the tired or so used to feeling kind of that foggy. And I, I went into that room five times and I can't remember what it is I went in there for, yeah. you know, yeah. those kind of things. Or, you know, you're like, um, where are my glasses? Oh, <laughs> you know, or they're up on your head and you're like, where yeah. are my glasses? Yeah. They're right on my head. So, I mean, I, we get used to how we feel. Yeah. And I've had friends of mine who have, have also made dietary changes and they say, I can't believe I thought that was feeling my best. Mm -hmm. Now that I know how good I can feel, mm -hmm. it's like when I do a fast, Michelle, I get to day four, okay, day one, two, and three are always a little bit of a challenge. But by mm -hmm. the time I get to day four, I have so much energy. I feel yeah. so clear-minded and so light. And I just feel like I could take on the world mm -hmm. that I don't, I, I can't believe I ever felt the way I felt on day zero. Mm -hmm. So I think we kind of get used to our yuck and- mm -hmm. And we get comfortable, but, you know, being in the comfort zone is kind of the dead zone. You're not learning. You're not growing. You're not changing. You're not living your best life when you're just comfortable. Yeah. I have to agree with you as someone who's, you know, taking control of their own health. And I've done, you know, some fasting myself in order to find answers and being more intentional about what I eat. I feel like once you take control and once you realize how much better you can feel, you realize that you weren't operating at your 100%, but you thought you were, you thought this is, this is what this is. Mm -hmm. And then you take control and you realize, oh, this is what this is. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's so much better. This feels a lot better, yeah. you know? Yeah. So anybody who's listening, who thinks who's, who anybody told you, you're just going to have to live with that. I'm mm -hmm. just going to say, I think Michelle, you and I are on the same page here. You do not need to just live with it. There's no, I don't even know. I mean, unless if you have like a limb, which you've lost, I mean, that's something you might have to learn to live with, but there's always, there's even in that state, there are things you can do mm -hmm. and there are things that you can do to overcome and compensate for that. Mm -hmm. But there are so many things about our health that I think doctors often do a disservice by saying to someone, you are always going to have to do this drug or you're always going to have an issue with your blood pressure, or you're always going to have reflux issues. 
I, I disagree respectfully because I mm-hmm. think there's a lot we can do to improve things. Well, yeah, you don't always have to do those things. Mm-mm. You just have to take control and become more intentional and uh, create your own path. Exactly. Absolutely. So how are you? How are you now? How's your health? Well, I'll tell you, um, really good, really, really good. Although again, like I said earlier, the pain is a really good motivator. And when you stop feeling the pain, then you, you have a tendency to kind of slip back into those bad habits again, mm-hmm. So, which I have done, I will admit. So, and I can feel that in my body. I think part of the journey of eating better and experimenting with your body is also learning how to listen to your mm-hmm. body. And I feel like I'm so much more in tune to that. So, you know, I had a few days ago, I had kind of this tweak in my knee again, and I'm like, oh, well, then I stopped and I started thinking about my intake and the things that I was putting into my body. I'm like, I need to make some better choices. I've had a few days here of not very good choices. So again, it's like, I'm starting to recognize the indicators where my body's waving the yellow, the red flag saying, slow down, stop, turn around, um, give me what I need. Um, but I'm doing great. My energy levels are outstanding. I I have tools now that I can use. I'm moving better. I don't have any issues walking and I just really feel like I'm on a, I'm on a great path. So thank you yeah. for asking. That, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you found your, you know, what works for you and that you were able to um, heal yourself. You were able to heal. Mm-hmm. Before you got sick, would you describe your diet as like a standard American diet? Yeah. You know, my husband and I had kind of experimented with, um, you know, there's, there's a while a whole 30 was kind of a a big on the marketplace and and a lot of the elimination diets were big out there. And we had experimented with some of those kinds of things. And like many people, we kind of knew the kind of things we should and shouldn't eat. But I, I kind of thought, well, you eat three meals a day and, you know, for breakfast, you have, you know, a certain family of things and lunch, you have a sandwich and something else, maybe some chips and something. And then at dinner you have, when I started adding up all the calories that I was eating and I started looking at all the combined processed foods that I was eating, um, it's no wonder I got sick, quite frankly. Um, it, it wasn't horrible. We've never been really big fans of going to McDonald's. We didn't do fast food McDonald's or Taco Bell or any of those places multiple times, but we would go once in a while. Um, but so it wasn't like as bad as maybe some families who are really more in that, in that path, but, um, but, but it was definitely not a very good diet and we didn't have very much, not a lot of living things in our diet menu. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, not a lot of healthy greens and rich kind of like eat the rainbow kind of things. There weren't any of those things going on. Mm -hmm. And would you say that that's changed now that you're, even though you're not eating just your fruits and vegetables, the goon, uh, the green goo, goo. it'll forever be known as the green goo. Yeah. Affectionately. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it has changed, you know, and one of the things about experimenting, um, I'll really encourage your listeners to embrace experiments. They just really work. They're just so fun. You have to try to find the fun in it because one of the things that we discovered by lots of different experiments are we found some really great vegetable recipes 
that we love and our son loves and it's not from a can and it's not soggy Brussels sprouts and it's really quite <laughs> good. So yeah, every meal now has an element of green into it mm-hmm. and it, we do a lot more nuts. We do a lot of nuts and fresh apples. We do a lot of, um, typically make like an eggs and sausage for our son before he goes to school in the morning. I took him out of school lunch because the money that I was pen- spending on his lunch was was hurting my heart because it was all processed. It was all bad for you. So now I, I make him a turkey sandwich every morning mm-hmm. with good, wholesome ingredients. And while it's probably not perfect, I know it's better than what he was getting. So, and then for dinner, we do just a vegetable and a, and a protein, mm-hmm. but really simple. I used to always think that cooking had to be all these complicated recipes and processes. And no, it's, it's a protein with salt and pepper or a salad with maybe some eggs on it, or, you know, we, we aren't fully vegetarian. We're not fully protein. We're just kind of a mix, a healthy mm-hmm. mix. I, I probably try to aim for an 80, 20, like 80% plant-based, 20% animal-based, or if not more like a 90, 10, even, um, definitely try to err toward the side of plants. Um, it better for me, better fiber, better healing properties in those items mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I'm glad you brought all that up because, you know, one of the things that people complain a lot about is cooking their own food and yeah. how difficult it is to cook your own food and they don't know what to cook and they can't cook. And what you described just makes it seem like it's much easier than, you know, just sitting around perseverating that I hate to cook and <laughs> just put together like some protein and some plants and you've got a meal. Yeah. If you have a grill, if you're lucky enough to have a, um, a place where you could have a grill, oh my goodness, you throw, throw on some chicken breast or a turkey breast or a hamburger. Um, and you know, four minutes aside, you're happy camper, you know, all mm-hmm. good to go. If you don't have a grill, put that same piece of protein on your stovetop. And I tell you, you can, you should check, check in your area. Cause we actually bought in with a bunch of other families for, um, a family farm that was, uh, butchering a cow. And so we just went in with them on part of this cow. It was a significantly cheaper than it would be from buying it at the grocery store. And we know the people, so we know what they were feeding their animals. We just have a lot of peace around that, that mm-hmm. the animal was really well, well treated, well taken care of all of those different things that play into some people want, not wanting to have beef. So, I mean, there's different ways to make it cheaper as well. And if you're not having like a two pound patty, you can, you know, you can have even one pound of meat that you can spread three ways or even Mm -hmm. four ways. And that's plenty of protein to go along with your vegetables. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be real expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. It's so much more wholesome to, you know, we were talking about on in another conversation about eating organic. And the thing to remember is when you're trying to become an intentional eater, thinking about where did this food come from? You know, this was this food, did it come from a farm or did it come from a factory? Mm -hmm. You know, did it come from processing or did it come from, you know, just growing and picking, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to think all the time about where your food came from because the, the food that's less treated to be a lot more wholesome and it's going to result in you receiving a lot less inflammation, you know, because all these bad things is what in our food is what's causing that inflammation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Yeah. Oh, that's such such a great tip about the cooking because I think that I think that definitely will will help people. I think we look at things and we try to make it too hard, but it doesn't have to be hard. No, salt and pepper and <laughs> salt and pepper and olive oil. I have a a newfound mission war, if you will, against vegetable oil. <laughs> so yeah. for any of your listeners, I please I implore you, please consider reconsider your vegetable oils. Um, yeah, those seed oils, oils are horrible. Canola oil, all, all of that stuff. Anything that's a seed oil, just if you can, if you're in the process of trying to heal, there's a good place to just try eliminating that one to start with and replace it with an olive oil. Um, now olive oil, you don't, you can't cook it as high of a temperature because when it gets high, it changes the combination or the chemical balance of that particular element. So you have to kind of be careful about, you can't, deep fry and you shouldn't be deep frying anything anyway, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but a little olive oil in your pan with your, with your chicken breast and a little salt and pepper. And I'm telling you, your family will think you are the best cook ever. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just pop it into the, like, I love to make sheet pan meals where you just put chicken and vegetables, one sheet pan, yeah. stick it in the oven, you know, serve it with like some rice and yes. it makes a perfect meal. Yes. That's actually one of our go-to vegetable dishes where you just cube up a sweet potato, mm -hmm. broccoli, slice up some Brussels sprouts, maybe a little bit of cauliflower or even peppers. You can add it's just anything of those kind of make it nice and colorful, put it mm -hmm. on a pan, spray it with some olive oil and salt and pepper, and you are good mm -hmm. to go. Yeah. A nice simple one. Yeah. I agree with you about the seed oils. They're very inflammatory, unfortunately. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, when I went through my thing of, you know, getting rid of all of our bad food, it was one of the first things to go. You know, I decided I'm going to get rid of all of the oils and I replaced everything in our kitchen with coconut, avocado, and olive oil. Amen. And I, awesome. and, and of course, butter. I never lack for, you know, like I never think, oh, I really want that canola oil back, or I really mm -hmm. want that vegetable oil. These oils are much healthier and they result in, you know, better health for people and you don't miss the old oils. Yeah, you really don't. There is a study that I uh, stumbled upon. I wish I had the um, reference for you. Maybe I can find it. You could put it in show notes, but yeah. Um, there is a, we were talking earlier about patterns and how over time you can really start to recognize patterns. Well, this particular study was looking at the patterns of cancer and cancer rates, mm -hmm. and they mapped them on top of when the rise of canola oil and vegetable oils really took off, you know, all the Crisco's and stuff that our grandparents used to cook with. And when you map those on top of each other, it's, it's scary when you see the correlation. Now, maybe it's just correlation and not causation, mm -hmm. but the correlation between when vegetable oils really took off as a processed oil and the cancer rates that started skyrocketing is really quite something. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's actually, you know, for anyone who wants to research this, there's a lot of studies on these type of oils. Mm -hmm. And even back in the eighties, I remember when they were saying, oh, you know, those butter, it causes, uh, it causes high cholesterol. So right. you need to get rid of the butter. You need to go to margarine. You need to go to canola oil or vegetable oil. It's going to be so much yeah. healthier. And now they've studied it and they can, they have graphs that show that the cancer rates and the rates of chronic illness has risen since just the eighties, when we started to switch away from butter and go to all these different oils. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's really sad because butter is really yummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We actually yeah. use Irish butter. If you have that in your uh, grocery store, Irish butter is just such a, such a flavorful fat to use with your cooking and your, and your, uh, your menu. Yeah. And, and most of the butters that aren't from the United States, actually, there's some good ones here, but if you're looking at like Irish butter or anything else, oh, there's butter that comes from other countries and it's a lot healthier because those are, that's grass fed, you know, mm-hmm. here in this country, we don't have a lot of grass fed, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just something to look into. And also with the seed oils, they've only been around for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think. I know. And it's crazy. Like how long have humans been in existence? And we've only been using some of this food, like these ultra processed, highly industrialized foods for like a hundred years or less. Yeah. So true. And and we think we can't live without them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know. So this is a great, you know, I'm so glad to hear that you're doing so well, that you took control of your health. Do you have any tips to leave us with today? If, you know, if we're just starting out on our health journey and we want, you know, we're not feeling well, we need to make some changes. Like, where do we start? It's a great, great question. I just want to acknowledge that I think anybody who's just starting this journey, it can be immediately really overwhelming. And so I'm a little bit type A and like, I'm either all in or I am all out. So I'm either like on the bandwagon and I don't eat a thing. I don't eat an ounce of sugar or I am finding myself at the bottom of the cookie jar. So I had to really reset my mind and my thinking to say, okay, I could have a bad day, but I'm not going to have two in a row. So I started making small changes. Um, I think actually, Michelle, you said this earlier, don't, do not even try to take on the whole equation in one day. Mm-hmm. Don't even try to take on the whole equation in one month. Give yourself, sit down and look at, just make a quick list. I bet you can make it in two seconds of the five things that you do that you know are bad for you. And then choose one of them and say, okay, the month of January, I'm not going to do that one thing. Then choose another thing for February, that thing, and plus another one. Just slowly start moving toward decisions that are going to give health and life and nourishment back into your family's menu. I I guarantee at the end of the year, you're going to feel so much better. And after you start making those small movements, you're going to exponentially want to make more. So it's not going to be just 12 changes that you make if you do one a month. Cause by the time month three comes, you're going to be like, okay, I think I'm going to do these three things this month mm-hmm. and just give yourself permission to make slow changes like that. Um, my first change way back when was eliminating all the diet soda. I used to drink diet soda. Like it was going out of style. Um, or I don't know where that phrase comes from, but anyway, <laughs> um, I used to drink a lot of it and, um, I just, I, I learned a little bit what that aspartame and stuff was doing to my body. I was like, okay, I'm done that Mm -hmm. one thing gone. Um, So if you can slowly start, that would be my number one tip, slowly make those changes. You know, probably what to do. Start doing what you know. Mm -hmm. And then second, I would encourage your audience to just look at a couple pieces of research. Um, I'll give uh, uh, my friend Michelle here a couple of links that she can put in the show notes that are some great places to start because in the whole world of technology and the whole world of the internet, it's hard to know where to begin. And there's a couple really good websites 
ChrisBeatCancer, C-H-R-I-S, ChrisBeatCancer.com is a great one. He synthesizes things so nicely all into one place where it's a really great, um, uh, great resource. And the second one would be GoodbyeLupus.com. Uh, she does a great job. Synth again, synthesizing and teaching you all of this. There's so much information out there that's free. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Don't feel like you have to buy anything. Just take the information that's available and free for you out there and start teaching yourself how to be aware. And then the third thing I would say is try an experiment. How do you know? Maybe you might feel amazingly better if you try something new. And maybe you'll feel worse. <laughs> you mm -hmm. got to give yourself the the uh, the freedom to just experiment with a couple of things and see how you might be able to make a difference and have mm -hmm. some fun with it. it. You know, it could be a family thing that you guys embrace as a group to just say we're going to try making one change and see how it affects us. And um, if you get the family involved, it's a lot easier to maintain it as well. Yeah, I love those tips, Lisa, and they're so um, they're so doable. You know, for anybody. I also love your tip about going slow because, you know, how many times have, you know, we made a new year's resolution. We're going to go on a fitness. We're going to start working out. We're going to go on a diet. And then by, you know, the first week, a couple of days in we're done. <laughs> and it's because we try to do, we try to give up, change our whole life, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, I need to lose all this weight. I'm going to give up all these things up. And it's so restrictive mm -hmm. that then we, it doesn't become a habit to us. So yeah. I love, you know, the fact that you said, you know, just go slow, try one thing, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to make lifestyle changes and yeah. you can't do that, you know, all at once you have yeah. to go slow and try things. You know, I wanted to ask you one thing before we hop off since starting this whole new way of eating, do you think that your taste buds have changed? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I don't think they have. Mm -hmm. I know they have. I absolutely know they have. And you know what? Our taste buds change like literally in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. If you um, eliminate things from your taste buds for a while, your taste, your actual taste buds change. Have you guys ever, Michelle, have you ever, or anybody listeners, like gone back to a food that you just you know, sensationalized, whatever it might be, that one donut you really loved or that one cookie you really loved, gone back to it and it really wasn't as good as you remembered it being. Yeah. I have that happen to me now <laughs> all the time. And so I have to remind myself to feel the guilt or to feel the gross before I put it in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Because there are just, there are things out there that are just so disappointing. It's like the thing that I thought I really had to have I have it. And then I'm like, well, that was just really not worth it. That was not mm -hmm. that good. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, think I agree. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the one thing I noticed is how much your taste buds change when you get rid of all that extra sugar, salt, and fat from your diet. So okay. I'm glad that you said that. Um, Lisa, I just wanted to say it was so much fun having you on the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming for people who want to, you know, look you up and follow you. You have your own podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, and let me say, thank you so much. It's just always a joy. You and I've had some great conversations and I always enjoy the time with you. Yes, I am launching a podcast by the time this goes live. Maybe it'll already be out there, but December 30th, 2023 is when 
it launched or will be launched depending when you're listening. And my podcast is called the sunshine cafe. It'll be found on Apple and Spotify and Google and wherever you find your podcasts. And then in addition to that, I am launching some digital courses in the new year to help guide people through a guided fast. A lot of people don't know anything about fasting and they don't know where to start. And they're absolutely convinced that they're going to die if they don't eat. So I am going to help disprove that and guide them through how to do a very healthy short fast and how that can be a real help to igniting somebody's healing journey. So that'll be something that you can also find out on Sunshine Cafe. My website is lisaroars.com, just like a just like a lion roars, R-O-E-R-S or R-O-A-R-S. Either way, I'll bring you to the same place and uh, would love to have you along with the journey. Um, if you want to look me up sometime, that'd be great. Great. So um, Lisa, I, I hope that everybody here starts to follow you and I look forward to listening to your podcast when it launches. Thank you so much, Michelle. I look forward to next time we get to chat. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Harvesting the Truth. During our conversation today, we learned a lot of information about resiliency from Lisa Roars. Here are some other things we learned. If you don't get the answers you want from your doctor, it's really okay to take control of your health, do your own research, and treat yourself with good food. In fact, it may be vital to your recovery. You know your body best. Just like a cut on your finger, the inside of your body also takes time to heal. Be patient and keep up with your good food plan. We are a society that is comfortable with feeling fine. Once you make a dietary change that works, it's amazing to learn what we became used to about how we feel. Before she got sick, Lisa ate a standard American diet filled with sugar, salt, fat, and all the chemicals that come with processed foods. She completely overhauled her diet and mindset around food when she became sick. Now that she's healed, she continues to eat healthy and experiment with good food. Cooking and eating healthy does not need to be complicated. Take a tip from Lisa and simply pair protein and plants to make a meal. Think about your food and where it came from in order to be more intentional about eating healthy. Seed oils are very inflammatory and can be a good place to start if you are just beginning your healthy eating journey. Making dietary changes can be very challenging, so start slow with small changes and keep building. You know what you have to do. There are a lot of really great resources available for free. Take the information and teach yourself to be more aware. Be willing to try things and change directions as needed. Get ready for your taste buds to change when you change your diet. It's an amazing experience. I've included Lisa's contact information in the show notes. Jump over to her podcast, Sunshine Cafe, for more real conversations with her. If you like this episode, please rate and review it. Also, please send me a message and let me know what you would like to see next on the podcast. And if you want to become a healthy, intentional eater this year, hop over to foodstoke.com challenge and sign up to work with me for six weeks starting at the end of this month. You will learn all about what not to eat, what to eat, and how to apply the knowledge with shopping, organizing, and cooking tips. That's it for this week, friends. Talk to you soon.